Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and I got some good podcasting today, my friends. We are going to jump back into the grind or the crap or the things that can go wrong. My next guest is going to share how he started a multifamily deal and it didn't go as he expected and he actually had to pull out. Now, why am I sharing you this podcast in this episode? I think it's really relevant. As you go into multifamily investing, you will make mistakes, you will screw up, and I do it today. I am all about very open transparency on things that I do good and things that I may not do so well. And that's what makes this uh, podcast, I think, very unique and refreshing is because we don't hide. It's not all we're so perfect. It really is the real life of what investing looks like and feels like. And you're going to hear a story of one of my, well, actually one of my students that went out and wasn't able to get his first multifamily deal and his attitude about it, right? And I think you'll find it very interesting. I think you'll discover some nuggets. I know we put some good nuggets in this one because you get to learn from what he did wrong and what he wouldn't do again. And so success and failure are both great teachers. And you've got to have that mindset that failing is not failing. It's just learning how to not do things sometimes. And it really is about your mental attitude as you approach this game. And so I think you're going to find that it's a really good episode and I'm excited to share it with you. But before we get into that, I got to give a couple shout outs, giving me some love on iTunes. So a couple of reviews here. So I got Elder says, look at this, the genuine host, Corey, excellent guests and content. Listen here. Glad Triple Adams recommended this show. So thanks, Adam, for giving me the recommendation as well. Tracy Adams says, best podcast ever. It was outstanding. I recommend the Multifamily Legacy Podcast to everyone. And then Shotwell2713 says, what a show. This is an excellent show. They have fantastic guests who are both knowledgeable and entertaining, as well as a fantastic substance and interesting themes I strongly advise. So listen, guys, I'm so honored that you check in on this podcast and you listen to it. We are getting ready to go uh, coming up next. So I've got a series coming up of my latest closing of Sierra Point. Uh, So it's going to be Sierra Point, the good, bad, and the ugly. It's going to be a three-part series of talking about the deal, dissecting it, talking about what went well, what didn't go so well, and what was some ugly parts. And listen, every deal that I've ever done always has a little bit of ugliness. And it's just part of the game. And if you can expect that going into a deal, you'll be well more prepared as you start getting your own deals under contract. Also, after that series, we're going to start talking. I'm going to go back and review some of the things that I've talked about on two or three years ago episodes that I think we need to refresh. Talking about setting up accounts, setting up yourself for success, 
how to start getting into your first deal and the things that I think that you got to do and pay attention to. So we're going to come back to that and revisit some of my old teachings that I'm going to refresh it and, and just kind of make it new because I know not everybody goes to the very beginning and listens to these things sequentially. So I want to keep giving you the value that I think I know most of you need, and, and our uh, podcast has really grown. So, guys, let's get to it. Let's not waste any more time. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. All right, guys, we're back. Sean Johnson, going to have a great interview. Let's go. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Super excited to have this episode and what we're going to talk about today, because as we're talking before the show started, deals don't ever seem to go like you always plan. We always want them to, but that's not always how it happens. And you just had a recent experience, and I just asked you to come on to share the story because I think... A lot of people can get some gold nuggets out of other people's misery. And so I'm going to let you share, cue this thing up. And, and first, but before we do that, kind of give a, you know, who you are, where you're from and all that stuff. And we'll get into the story of this deal. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. Glad to be here. So Sean Johnson, my primary role is a CEO of a national property management firm, single family property management firm, but I love real estate investing. And my wife and I do a lot of single family and uh, commercial real estate investing. That's our favorite. And obviously we like multifamily investing and Corey and I met, I went to your boardroom. I found you on your podcast years ago, loved it and went to the boardroom, ate it up, ready to make some deals happen. You know what I mean? I think I helped you raise a little bit of money on one of your projects before yep. and I was ready to hit the ground running. Of course, in the midst of all of that, I decided to build a house, build a swimming pool, <laughs> and then try to do this 40 plex investment plus merge four companies together all at the same time. And then we got a puppy. We said, yeah, that's not enough. Let's get a puppy that pees on our floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right on, so, man. Just stack it. Stack it, man. No limits. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about a couple months and you were super jazzed, bro. You're like, dude, I got this deal, man. It's a 40 unit deal, right? 40 unit, yeah. And you tell me all about it. You're super stoked about it. Like, man, we're actually getting ready to close. Like, I think it's going to be a good deal and we've got a plan and stuff like that. What happened, man? Yeah. There's 40. between that call and when we <laughs> fired up the podcast, things happened in between that didn't go so well. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because like one of the learning lessons here is that the broker was very clear, the financials, the owner didn't do great financials and even to get a rent roll is, it was difficult. We got rent rolls, of course, and based off the APOD and the rent rolls, the numbers looked great, Right. And as we further got down and getting involved with Freddie and doing their due diligence, when they produced a T12, those numbers just didn't match anymore. Like, wow, where was this three months ago? And it's not here. And, you know, your numbers change and it doesn't look like a savvy investment anymore. So you start trying to figure out where their money's going, where their expenses are, where their rents are. And what they were showing, it was $66,000 in vacancy and concession loss. Wow. Uh, so, now, so let's set this up. So 
you got this deal. It's an off-market deal, or kind of sounds off-market, right? It was, yeah, yeah. But there's a broker involved. Yep. And he's like, hey, listen, this is a seller that doesn't have, like, it's mom-and-pop shop. Yep. Hey, listen, on the 40-unit size, that's usually the case, right? So yep. you're like, okay, I got it. No problem. Give us something. Give us a rent roll. Yeah. They finally produced something. But the word is produced, by the way. That's, exactly. That's, that's a word that can be overanalyzed. People can put anything in a spreadsheet, yep. seems like, right? They give you some kind of, they produce a rent roll. And based on that, you're like, hey, I think this looks good, right? Yeah, exactly. So then we come to the part that people don't understand. This is what happens. You start to spend money because they produce some stuff that looks like, hey, these numbers work. Yeah, and you got to act fast, right? Yeah, because everybody's like, you got to close, you got to close, you got to close, yep. right? A lot of people behind you, this off-market, off-market, off-market. You want to buy it? You want to buy it? You want to buy it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the case. That's what, These brokers are like, damn, uh, go to the uh, Cal auction. Yeah, but I don't want a five and a five and a five, you know, hit, yeah. hit, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> you're going to get a small balance Freddie loan, right? That's right. And which is, by the way, under $5 million. If you're doing an under $5 million transaction, it's the Freddie Max or Fannie's got a version of two small balance loan. And so there's an application fee for that, by the way. And it's right? big. <laughs> yeah. And uh, is it like 20, 25,000? 12,500. And by the way, Sean, I share that same experience recently. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. So I lost 12,500. Because. Yep. They ended up saying they weren't going to do the deal. And then I still had to, but now I had $200,000 in earnest money. So I had to find another solution that cost me another $50,000 application fee to get the next loan. Wow. Yeah. So I understand your pain here, but this is a 40 unit deal. You're like, Hey, let's do it. Right. So you got to start the process, which is the financing, right? Now, had you already been to the property at this point? Yes, I had. So when you saw the property, what did you see? Like, give yeah, me- broker described it as a B minus property, maybe C plus. Uh-uh. <laughs> Deferred maintenance, pretty rough tenant pool. I would say I would have defined it as a, a D, maybe D plus property. And now you're putting me on your property management goggles already, right? You know this, sure. right? Because you're like, I've got experience. We run a national property, single family management company, but like, get it, understand what the problem is. And you're probably assessing whether it's a fixable problem or not, right? Exactly. Yeah. Is this so far down the line, but does it have good skeletons? Is this a good property? It did. Great skeletons. Roof hadn't been replaced in years. I mean, we were expecting 120,000 in roof. Parking lot, the asphalt was so old, it was like dirt. (laughs) (laughs) But these so. are all fixable problems in your eyes. You're like, hey, this is not something that we've not done. On the single family side, you're like, we do this kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. So now yeah. it's just like doing it all in one spot, which is great because like we got the subs. We got people that can do this work. Yep. So that part's not scaring you. That part didn't scare me at all. I mean, I've repositioned a ton of properties. Not yep. a big deal. And one of our partners owns a hardware store. So a lot of the cost of light fixtures, sinks, that stuff like that, mm-hmm. we were getting at a cheap price. Yeah. And you can control the supply line, which is kind of sketchy in COVID times. <laughs> yeah, well, amen. Yeah. Make sure that you got the whiz bang to put in, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. So, okay. You come off of that thing. You're like, okay, 
probably a little bit more work than what you first thought. I mean, the broker's like, it's the Taj Mahal. You're like, no, 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 we're in the ghetto. <laughs> exactly. Right. And yeah. did you do a price? Did you negotiate at that point at all? We were locked in at 2.3 million was the PSA number. And did you already put money hard too, right? At this point? Negative. No. So I was very financing contingent on my money going hard. Okay. And that, yeah. So no money went hard. But you already put money in earnest, right? So yeah. 100,000 earnest. Yep. Okay. So you had earnest money in, but you had a true, what I call normal due diligence period. Yes. Right. So you're in your due diligence period and you're looking at stuff. You're like, dude, this is not the Taj Mahal. This is a fixer upper. Right. Yeah. And part of the struggle there was that you had a seller that just kind of, they wanted to hurry and sell the property, but drag their feet on every, every aspect. So for instance, you know, during our due diligence period, I schedule our inspections and pest control and plumbing and all, you know, all the jazz and I have them all scheduled and they're like, Oh no, no, we can't have you come this early. We need you to come two weeks from now. And well, okay, fine, but you're going to have to push out our due diligence period then. Everything's a give and take, in my opinion. If you want to want me to do something, then I'm going to ask you to do something back. <laughs> and good point, by the way. So normally, these contracts are very, they're usually done by attorneys or you have a blanket kind of contract that realtors use. So that's fine. Which one did you use? Yeah. So it's funny because like the seller's family member was an attorney and he produced this PSA that was just complete garbage one-sided garbage. And I'm like, I'm not using that. So I sent the PSA that you lent me through the boardroom. And and so they're like, oh, we're not going to use that one. We didn't like that. And I should have forced the issue. What we ended up settling on was the state realtor association ones. Okay. Um, and actually I was able to incorporate a lot of uh, language that you wanted, right? Exactly. From mine. So you went and looked at when we provided you and said, okay, well, we need to have this language in here. Exactly. Yep. Perfect. Good job, by the way. Well, thank you. That was That's so a pro fun. tip, right? So listen, contract, especially when you're doing the smaller stuff, like with, and direct to, it's like almost you're working direct with the, so you're not even working with a broker because the broker is kind of like, oh, you know, well, just go to call the owner, mm-hmm. see what he's got, right? It can be either good, or it goes really bad, I found. Yeah. Because when you're asking for stuff on a normal transaction, if, especially when they're bad bookkeepers, which this guy sounds like he's a bad bookkeeper, right? Yeah, for sure. They don't have any of it. So they have to try to figure it out. Yeah. And they're giving you a bunch of crap. So they jerry-rig everything. And then, so he doesn't even let you come to the property when you're like, during your due diligence period, you're usually, like the day you go under contract, you're trying to like schedule that out. You want to get there as soon as possible, as many subs. A lot of these guys are going to do bids. Like, here's what I saw that's wrong. Here's the cost. Yeah, exactly. Way. So I think we had a signed PSA on like a Thursday and I was like, I'll be there Monday. I'll start scheduling out all the vendors to make this all happen. And they're like, Oh, Monday's not going to work. We need to do it two weeks, like two weeks. What the hell is that about? So did he give you an extra two weeks? Yeah, he did extend that period. So that yeah. was helpful. Yep. Well, and good for you sticking to your guns, right? So like, listen, if you're making me delay the process, the whole process is delayed. Yeah, when $100,000 earnest money is on the line, I mean, you think of ways to protect that money really quick. <laughs> yeah, because I got to know. We came in here seeing it was Taj Mahal. We realized it's not. Now we need to know, get all the bids because we budgeted based on a certain idea. And what we're seeing is it seems like it's going to be a cost a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. 
I love it that you, on your due diligence, you have real subs looking at stuff, which is, I highly recommend. The major systems, right? Plumbing, HVAC, roofs, right? All that stuff, right? That's right. Yep. And so what happens in the due diligence period at this point, right? So you do all this work, you get all these guys out there, then then what did you find? Like what's... Yeah. So the big one was, you know, the roof, but on top of that, in the Southwest, we have evap coolers and evap coolers, they use water and hard water in the Southwest is just very common and they rust out the pans. So in our walkthrough of the roof, it was like almost every one of those evap coolers has rusted out and needed to be replaced. They, They were putting like roofing tar to seal the water to make a pan work still. And so that wasn't expected. And of course, replacing one of those is probably five to $800 a pop. And there's 40 of them. That adds up. Think of this. So, so we discovered that and we discovered the staircases. Uh, it had metal and they were original to 1980. And of course they'd rusted out. Now it's just the cement that's holding uh, it, but like one person steps on it and they go through and they break their neck. Who's going to exactly. get sued? Exactly. Think yeah. of Florida and what just happened with that building that just went down. Right. Yeah. Serious stuff. So someone's going to prison. I don't know that for certain, but they're, they're at least find... paying a hefty fine, aren't they? I'm telling you, man, if the owner that owns that property is just probably nervous as all get out, yep. especially now, or it's the city's fault, right? I've not watched that enough, but somebody's at fault and they're going to do enough research and find out if the city was holding them up and mm-hmm. not giving them permits to do work that they wanted to, right. or it's going to be the other way around, right? There'll be a lot of finger pointing. (laughs) Yeah. And so all these things, you're talking about doing a due diligence and that's what the due diligence is for is to probably know more about the property than the seller. It's your typical homeowner, right? They tolerate all the dripping faucets and the leaky roof for years and years and years until they sell it. And they're like, the new seller's like, I can't deal with that. Here's the crap I need you to fix. No different multifamily, I think. They tolerate all this crap. And now uh, I'm not going to tolerate it. I want a product I could then sell in four or five years. <laughs> yeah. I don't need all this deferred maintenance. Like I just wanted a working building, right? Buildings. Yep. And I understand that there's certain... so. Then you get to the point. Now, you're also not, not, you're doing a physical due diligence on the property itself. What about the financials? Because that that was already like a point of contention. Like I got this rent roll. So did you start jumping into the leases and trying to, to do an audit with that? Yeah, we did. We did a full audit on the leases. Didn't find really much besides security deposit issues, misaccounting of security deposits, we were talking like $300 a security deposit. So it wasn't very big, but we couldn't get a T12 at that time. So to really get updated financials was really difficult. We didn't get a T12 until about a week ago, week and a half ago. Oh, yeah. so you're going now, are you still under due diligence? No, we're at that time. Yeah. No. Well, technically. So what I did, I, my money was going to go hard on the 28th of June. Right. And so I produced a termination. They didn't produce their financials in time. And so I terminated the contract with the intent that we can proceed. But I just didn't want my money to go hard and they get a hundred thousand out of me and then they figure out a reason to. to okay. Off. So this goes back to what we talked now. Okay. Because we talked about what happened. So we got to get back to that point, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> all deals have a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're. 
you're moving. Everything seems to be working. Did you negotiate on your sales price at all from based on all the stuff you saw? Yeah. So we retraded. We retraded. And based off of the lack of financials, I used that as a contention of retrade. And so we got it at $2 million. So they took up, we were able to get 300000 off the price. Great job, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, dude, that's real money. That's money you don't right. have to raise. That's the game, right? Right. And this is the power. I don't know if you remember me talking about this, but like at a boardroom, but loading the gun, like people, two people go into a, a deal and one's going to die, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, Everybody's got a gun, but you have to get your ammo from going to the property. You get your ammo by getting all those bids by knowing more about the property than the seller. And then you have the ammo to say, hold them hostage and be like, dude, 300K or I walk. Yep, that's right. I produced this very detailed email that said, here's all the reasons I'm looking for a retrade. I actually asked for a retrade for 1.9 million and I negotiated to 2 million. Yep, there you go. Always ask for more than you need because Mm -hmm. that's how it works. If you ask for 300, you'll get two, maybe 150. You got to ask for a lot more to get in land where you want and then put all these reasons in front of it. So I'll give you a hint. This is something that we do. I don't know if I said this or not, but do not exceed bid. So like when I do send subs out, I'm like, give me that do not exceed bid. Nice. <laughs> so I mean, in other words, I want that bid that's no matter what's going to happen, this is the price that doesn't change. Yep. So they're inflated bids, but I, and then I go multi-round bids when I'm actually going to do the work. Yeah. But at least yeah. it helps me produce a bid that I can present to the seller, mm-hmm. right? It's funny, in this process, the broker goes, this deal, I didn't know this, this deal fell through previously and it locked in at 2 million. So I basically knew the market value, market, I'm gonna use air quotes for market value, but <laughs> <laughs> but you get my point, like two people are now willing to pay for this thing at 2 million instead of 2.3. Yeah, so the value is 2 mil, come on, right? That's yeah. what it is. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. So at this point, you retrade on the price. This is normally where the transaction's about ready to be put together because you've already spent money on small balance loan. They're doing their due diligence process. Now they have checklist, right? And it is a agency debt, just like FHA loans, which are a little bit more cumbersome, but it's still a agency debt. And there's rules that they have to follow. They have a checklist and they check it off every time. And part of that checklist was what? Clear financials, inspections. <laughs> right? Yeah. And hence you wanted, they needed a real, a produced a T12. They wanted a T12. Yep. Right. Trailing 12 with the financials, the history, the modeling. What did you spend? What did you make? And your current owner could not produce it, would not produce it. Wouldn't and just repeatedly asked. And finally they did. And that T12 showed $62,000 in vacancy and concession, which no rent roll. We had had five rent rolls prior to this and an APOD. 
nothing. I mean, we were talking about $20,000 in vacancy and concession versus 60. That's a big difference. Oh, (laughs) was the seller lying? Yes, they were (laughs) very clearly. (laughs) Oh, oh, I mean, a seller would never lie, would they? (laughs) (laughs) It's so bizarre. I mean, to me, like if they made up the rent rolls from before, maybe they did. I'm not saying they did or didn't. Maybe they were legit. They could have made up the T12 for all I know, but they obviously with that kind of concession and vacancy loss, that's not made up. (laughs) Right. So they cooked you some uh, rent roll is what they did. Yeah. Right. Yep. Probably every month while you're trying to do this stuff, right. They're giving you another rent roll. They don't want to give you financials. They're not giving you a T12 because you're like, listen, it's a 40 year deal. Do you want it or not? And then, but it comes down to, you've got to get financing and the bank's like, we either have this or we're not funding the deal. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. what is it really? And you finally, so he finally gives it up. And that's when the big aha starts, right? Yep. Aha, this is not making sense. What are you really hiding here? Is now, the this is, you'd already asking. canceled the contract at this point, right? Yeah, it was in termination state. Yeah, exactly. So you'd already canceled it because you're like, hey, I don't even know. Like, I'm not going to take the chance. I'm going to cancel my 100000 If you can produce the T12, we'll go ahead and go back under contract yep. and buy your property. But I like this is this is part of the lender's requirements. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, okay. All right. Print. Yep. He actually went to the software and hit print. Exactly. Or save or whatever. It is, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives you something. You're like, wait a second. This doesn't seem to align with everything you've shown me thus far. Yeah. Even and expenses th- that they'd produced weren't even matching that. And well. the truth is they're probably in such breach of your covenants and ethics. Yes. <laughs> Like your warrants and reps, they have done things that are very material to this deal that you could sue them for non-performance sure. if you wanted okay. to. Now, because at this point, he didn't, well, even though you backed out of the deal, right? So, because you terminated your based on that, if you would have stayed in it and because of that, and you found that out, you probably, you could even sue them and come back and say, now... Does anybody, does it ever win? No. Like anytime you go that way. The, the lawyers win. <laughs> and they love to win. Yeah. Let me trust. Yeah. They'll make the money. So what did you learn out of this? I think one of my biggest takeaways is just ask for these things way at the beginning and push them. And if they don't produce it. So in the due diligence process, get clear financials right out the gate and, yeah. and don't tolerate anything less. Don't wait for Freddie to say, you got to have these. And that was, that was a big learning experience for me. The other thing is just the other learning experience is just uh, stick to your guns. I think it's important. And luckily I've done a lot of negotiation, but I think it's just important to make sure that expectations are clear and they're not trying to walk on you. Cause I think they were trying to walk on you and yeah. every, every turn they're trying to walk on me. And I'm like, no, that's, they're trying that's to somewhere. control what's going, you see what you hear and make it and look over here this way. Yeah. Don't look over here because yeah. You might f- see stuff that you don't want to see. Exactly. And you're like, no, that's exactly where I want to go. I want to see <laughs> everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, so in this lesson, and we'll call it a lesson, it was a 12500 experience plus time, probably a little bit more than that, too. It was right? 28800 bucks. yeah. Okay, yeah. After send down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's still fresh from my mind. <laughs> yeah, right? So there's a dollar value in not doing a deal. 
right? Sure. Now, and the lesson you really learned is if I would have asked for all this up front and demanded it, before I got way involved down the rabbit hole, it wouldn't cost you anything. That's right. Right? I mean, theoretically, you would have had these numbers. You would have had before you went under application and you before you went and spent third parties and appraisals and environmentals and all the things you got to do to get a loan, right? That's right. Now, what I always say, too, is in my contracts, if you would have used my contract, you would have got this, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so there's another lesson. Use a contract by your attorney. Yep. You just have to, right? Or you can't even do a deal. Unless they, I mean, we've done this where they've given us a contract, and then my attorney makes it, redlines the hell out of it, yeah. to bring it back to what we normally do in ours. It costs me more money that way, but I know without a doubt. And one of the things that, so Wayne Siegel, I'm going to have actually Wayne on my show soon because I want to talk about what we do because this is my turn now. And I do, we deal with this stuff every day and like we, we get our wins, right? Like we got one not too long ago with the same thing, Sean, which was like, we have in our language, due diligence does not start until we've received Every bit of the information doesn't even start. And I have to physically say, I have acknowledged receipt of everything and it is all good. Right. That now, was the key right there because I actually use that exact language in mine, but I didn't like, I physically acknowledge I received. And that's probably the biggest learning lesson right there. Yeah. So when you do that little piece there, so we just had it and I just put another deal in cutter. They're like, we've sent it to you. And they're like, is it all there? I'm like, dude, I need a couple of days to go through it. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like, it doesn't happen magically. I've got to physically check all your stuff and check it off my list. Yep. Now I don't do that. I have somebody else do it. Right. But that's what we were doing. And then finally we come back and I swear there's always two or three items. Right? That's right. Missing and you're, steel. Yeah. You're like, Hey, listen, once you send me this, this, and this, we're all good. Yep. And now sometimes till another five days go by and ask me if I'm calling them like, Hey, did you get it? Did you get it? No. <laughs> Cause I got more time at times. I'll take as many as you'll give me. And then once they give it back and then I say, great, we got it. We're all good. Then I'll send my official email to title saying, I am now in receipt of all due diligence materials. That's a great lesson, by the way, Sean. I'm sorry that you had to pay some money to have it, but sometimes, and this is the other part of that lesson is some of the biggest deals we'll ever do are the ones we never do. Yep. Right? That's right. So your experience first time out on a bigger deal didn't go so well. Where are you at mentally with it going forward and trying to find another one? Driving on. I want to find another one. I see the vision of owning multifamily and I hope to not actually find a 40 plex. I don't love the size of a 40 plex. I now, like the Sean, size you're going to call me a lot earlier next time. So now that we're doing a podcast, you're going to call me and be like, dude, here's what I got. What should I do? And just let me yep. coach you through it just a little bit. More than yeah, that. I appreciate that. That's great <laughs> advice. <laughs> It's funny how all these things work. Even when we were starting single family, when you were doing just property management, single family side, how many mistakes have you made in that? Millions, right? Millions, yeah. And sometimes the best lessons. That's right. right? It's not always things you do right. Yeah, there's this phenomenal business book called The Road Less Stupid. Yeah. 
I would love to see the road less stupid in multifamily because I mean, I learned a ton of stupid things that I did that cost me $28,000. Right. And I know some people that are listening saying, oh God, like $28,000 would wreck me. I understand that, right? Yeah, now, sure. But I also want to say, if you're going to get into multifamily, find a partner that $28,000 is not going to wreck them. That's right. Right? That's right. It, you don't have to go it alone. And so I always, people, it's hard to lose these monies and these deals, but there's other people that look at it like that was a learning experience, but you won't make that mistake again. It's going to make you a way better investor, right? And listen, I mean, I make mistakes and I have lately that's cost me like, I almost had a $100,000 mistake, Sean. Woo, that'll hurt real bad. <laughs> right? Where I got a property that I am selling that I can't sell. Oh, man. There's a lockout. I just did a podcast, a couple podcasts ago. If you're listening, I think go back, whatever episode this is, go back two episodes and you'll hear the story of how I put it. I'm under contract to sell a property. I bought it for 8.9 million, Sean. I'm selling it for 19 million. Right. Actually, it's 20.3 that I was selling it. We're actually under contract for until I found out that I can't sell it because Freddie's like, there's a lockout period. Oh, no way. And I, and I had no idea what this lockout period was, never experienced it. Because I've had the loan for a year and a half, and I just, I got the right offer. I even called the bank, Arbor, and asked them for a prepayment penalty payoff. And yep. they gave me a $1.3 million price. So I added that to the purchase price. I'm like, guys, I can only do this if you pay me $1.3 million. And they said, okay. And I'm about 30 days from closing. I was supposed to close... Last week while I was in Hawaii, it was supposed to be the great Hawaii experience. Right. And you were worried the whole time you were in Hawaii, weren't you? You were well, thinking about it. So what happened was 30 days ago, I request my official payoff. And about 10 days later, I get an email saying, you can't sell your loan. And this is a week before I'm going to Hawaii. So I'm like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. Right. And it was just a big mess. I had to call the seller. And we eventually renegotiated. They can assume my note. Okay. And so that's what they're going to do. I get to give them a $1.3 million discount. Nice. It's it's all going to work out for them. But now I'm 90 more days. But if wouldn't have closed, my penalty, my remedy for that was I could be out of pocket $100,000 to pay for all their expenses. I was non-performance for closing and I would have been responsible for it. You want to talk about sweating, bro? Oh, man. Oh my like, gosh. And I was so mad, but like these things, like that's a lesson. That's a, I'll never forget that lesson, dude, by the way. And we shared it to you guys, just like we're sharing Sean's lesson. Some of these lessons are real. They're very real, very personal to us. Right, bro? Yeah. Oh, it's very personal. It's like you get a speeding ticket and you tell the officer, oh, I didn't know it was 45 miles an hour here. It doesn't matter. You didn't know about a lockout, whatever fee that, what the heck that was or lockout. You signed fee. the note. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, the 120 pages that I really read, right? <laughs> yep. And it's funny, but because then all of a sudden that, you read that section, you're like, hold on. You get to that find one it spot. Now. <laughs> and it's like five sentences. And you're like, wait a second. It doesn't even say start or end. It's very vague. It's like my trick. You will not know the time, but we'll know it. And we'll let you know when you know. So I was just like, oh, my God. And my heart was just like, I had already planned on financing new deals and all this stuff. Sure. And it was like, 
Oh man. So those well, I'm glad that were, worked out. That was a great one that worked out. Yeah. So Sean, these lessons that you just experienced, right? Part of learning, I still have these learning curves. It sucks, but the outcome is always the same, right? The more doors you can buy in one location mm-hmm. seems to yield good results when you do it right. That's so, right. Yep. You know, and I would say too, one of the things that worked out is I have a great relationship with still the broker, the seller's broker. And that's important because she threw the off-market deal to us to begin with. And I wanted to throw her future deals to us. Yeah. So. You come out with a great relationship. They saw everything that you did. They don't disagree that you didn't do anything wrong. You're like, dude, you did everything right. Yep. Because they didn't, even the seller did probably didn't know that, or the broker didn't know that the seller was cooking books. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So good for you. See, now you've got a good broker relationship. Even going through the lending process, now you've worked with a lender that understands like, okay, they know you now. You did bring up one thing that you, when we talked a couple months ago, that helped you is by being investing in a deal, in one of our deals, right? Yeah. Yo, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge help because really when we were going through that, what, October of 2019-ish, whatever that was, it just opened my eyes to what has to happen and what linear fashion it has to happen with. I could not have done or got as far as I did if I didn't have that experience. Yeah. I would have really, really screwed up. And the brokers said that because you had invested in one of my deals, I think as GP or LP? GP, but it's small. Yeah. It's yeah. tiny. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. So you guys said you're on the GP with me. That's right. Because you brought in other guys too. And that was just enough. And this is a real thing. Get in someone's GP, bring value. Either you find a deal, you find money, bring value to somebody because a couple of percentage points or whatever it is can move the needle on you were getting this new deal on your own. And they said, they checked the box, experience. Yep, that's right. Arbor said, you have the experience to be the sponsor. Otherwise, I would have been, hey, Corey, will you be the sponsor of this deal? You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, and which would have been cool too. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I was able to do it myself and I have enough net worth to do it. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into being a sponsor. Yeah. But one of the requirements is that you have experience. They want to have somebody on board. And that one little piece was what got you there, man. So touche in, in making, in connecting, doing everything that you've done, right? You just went from listening to my podcast, come to the event taking action and you're well on your way. It doesn't always work out the first time, but like everything says, try, try again. And that's your mindset. That's who you are. The way I look at it is I paid money to go to your boardroom, which was an amazing learning experience. And then I paid money, which was $28,900 to learn more and get my advanced degree (laughs) because I've been through it now a little bit. Yeah. Well, and there's nothing, and you saw the whole process rolled out for you on this deal, which now makes it very real. Like, well, I can do this. Mm -hmm. You did it. You did everything right? You just didn't have a deal at the end. And you made a couple little strategic mistakes, easily fixable. So it doesn't cost you that kind of money down the road, which gives you way more confidence to go out and do it again. That's right. And there will be a deal that meets the criteria where you get all the numbers and they do make sense. You're like, dude, got a deal. Yep. Exactly. And now you have the confidence to go through it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Then it's time to make money. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. So if you could talk to any of my new people, what advice do you give them, Sean? I would say biggest advice is to get connected with a sponsor or an operator that you can be a GP in, raise money or find the deal, help 
operate whatever they have and be a value to them. That's number one. Number two is just be strategic in your due diligence process. In my opinion, like I was too lackadaisical of not getting the financials I needed to at the beginning and waiting for Freddie to make that decision for me. I knew what Freddie was going to say. Why didn't I just say it? You know what I mean? And that cost me 28 grand. So that's the one, two punch, ba-bam, ba-bam, <laughs> right? Short uh, and simple. <laughs> and I know you gave us that one, but is there any other books you've read that really has an impact on you lately that you'd like to share? Yeah, Business Made Simple by Donald Miller. Fantastic book. I like simple concepts and he goes through like his, I'm an aviation guy. I love aviation. And he goes through what, how business relates to an airplane being efficient and flying. You can't have the overhead too big or it won't fly or the wings can't be too small. The engines have to be big enough to have thrust. Fantastic book. I mean, just like any business, any investment, it's a business and you should treat it like a business. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Rock and roll. Cool. And how do people find you if they want to reach out and find Sean Johnson and figure out what about your company and what it does? Where would they find that at? Yeah, they go to homevault.com and that's the property management firm. You can email me, Sean at homevault.com. Sean is S-H-A-W-N and happy to connect. I love talking about investments and probably my favorite thing to do even beyond running a property management firm. As you can tell, I'm only 39 years old and I have gray hair. (laughs) (laughs) It all catches up to us always, dude, no matter what. So Sean, I want to thank you for coming on my show. What a pleasure. Guys, hopefully you learned some valuable nuggets on this show. Like these pain experiences, however, they're not the most pleasant to have. It is a sign of growth. It is a sign of moving forward. We will all fall down at some time. You will scrape your knees. You will get hurt. But It's really about, it's like a Rocky movie. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That is what it takes. It takes determination, but it takes, more importantly, I think what's in between the two ears. It takes the decision in your brain to never quit and keep going forward. Guys, if you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible.